Welcome to the Future of Tourism podcast. I'm David Peacock. Stop owning your own content. Young leaders are stepping up. Bring everyone to the table. And imagine their world anew. Around the world, there's a new course to be plotted as destination organizations look inward at stakeholders and residents and begin to address the organizational changes needed to facilitate that shift. Marketing must have a local voice, budgets need to shift, and alignment and a shared vision with multiple community partners is a rapidly growing priority. Jack Johnson is the Chief Advocacy Officer at Destinations International. If you know Jack at all, then you know he's a passionate advocate for destination organizations globally, a strategist, a problem solver, consensus builder. And for his work, well, that speaks for itself. Adam Burke is president and CEO of the Los Angeles Tourism and Convention Bureau. He is, in my humble opinion, one of the most progressive thinkers and doers in the industry. To the challenge of unlocking all the potential of tourism to create long-term sustainable benefits, not just for Los Angeles, but for everyone, he brings 25 years of experience across hotels, destinations, U.S. travel, destinations international, to name just a few. Jack and Adam are two respected friends and peers of the industry who've been pushing the boundaries of what tourism means to cities, to people, to the world for the last two decades and more both of them driven by a belief that tourism done well enriches, ennobles, and regenerates. Good afternoon, guys. How are you, Jack? How are you, Adam? Jack, you go first. Hey, David. I'm doing really good. Where are you? I am back home in San Antonio, Texas. It's great to see you. I always, uh, I think the last time we met was Minneapolis. Yeah, I usually see you on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, Adam Burke, I have seen you more recently. I saw you in Victoria at the Impact Conference. I, I want to talk about that today, but how are you? Where are you? What are you up to? Uh, doing doing great. You're, you're catching me in uh, travel attire today. I'm in LA, but uh, getting ready to head out for a two-week trip to India and China. So incredibly excited because you know this will actually be the first time I've had the opportunity to see our team members in market in India and China since before the pandemic. So Really excited to see the business coming back, but more importantly, to reconnect with the team. Well, I, I hear the I hear the luster of that, and I also see the endless hours on airplanes. God bless you. <laughs> you know, I, I think we've all gotten to the point where, you know, email overload is a real thing. So having a 10-hour flight to get to the bottom of your inbox is an awfully attractive prospect. It is. It is. All right. So, guys, we're... We're about 45 days into 2023, and I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I tend to be up the middle, but I'm, I'm encouraged. Um, little things that started happening last year that are happening bigger and bigger. I mean, Aspen is experimenting with a new model of capacity, compression, and comfort. Jack, that was launched at the Advocacy Summit. It's it's great to see people doing this stuff. North Myrtle Beach is developing an engagement piece directly with frontline stakeholders to expand their digital presence at the stakeholder level. And Queenstown has declared carbon zero by 20, 2030. And they're all hard at work. Um, Adam, in Victoria, 
you could feel a shift. A year ago at that conference, there was a lot of talk about what to do and who's going to do what. There was plenty of money that's flooded into tourism, not enough, but enough that there's a lot of initiatives that wouldn't have started otherwise. And last year, I was worried that those initiatives were going to get watered down to the checkbox sort of things. Hey, did we do our sustainability list? It didn't. I'm excited by what I'm seeing. I'm seeing communities engaged. I, I feel a shift. I, I'm going to I'm going to ask you first, Adam, do you see it? A hundred percent. And by the way, I don't know if Jack, you feel the same way, but you know, I now feel this huge weight to live up to those introductions. I'll certainly <laughs> say, I, you know, no, no pressure. Um, yeah, I think there has been a significant shift. Um, and I think part of it is one of the biggest fallacies that I think we've all heard over the last three years about the pandemic was that no one could have seen this coming. Well, unfortunately, that's just not true because the scientific community has been warning anyone who would listen, which unfortunately was not enough people, for the better part of over a decade that we were long overdue for a, quote, global pandemic, right? That was their exact quote. And everyone, myself included, right, we, we didn't heed the warnings. So, yeah, you know, I, I think what we saw is our industry was ill prepared for something that had we been listening to the right warning signs, we would have been better prepared to mitigate and manage. And I think that's what's created the sense of urgency. You know, we saw that there's a fragility to tourism's ecosystem that if we don't address those foundational issues, there are going to be other major disruptions. And I think, you know, my goal for us all collectively is let's learn from the last three years so that we can really take a much broader definition of what sustainability means to our industry. And I think that's created a huge sense of urgency but, but I think the other thing that's great is their strength in numbers. We're all trying to learn from each other. And the sense I get is, unlike the middle of the pandemic where you saw some organizations competing around issues of health and safety, sustainability, I think people are now realizing that this is much more foundational and we need to be collaborating on these issues. So I absolutely agree with you. I think impact and other um, events like it show that there's a real will to move the ball downfield on this thing, on this stuff. Jack, you've been working on this for literally as long as I've known you. You put the lexicon in our thinking. Um, you have been the strongest advocate of advocacy in this industry that I can think of, and, and not just here around the world. I see you in Europe and elsewhere. Um, that shift from you know, um, intellectualization to action. Are you seeing it? Do you feel it? Are you encouraged? Tell me, tell me about your January. Um, I'm going to disagree and agree at the same time with Adam, which is, uh, explains that why I have a political background. That, and was that's so successful. <laughs> um, I think the shift was actually there. Going back to the, the speech at the convention in 2019, um, you could feel it, something, not get knowledge there. Um, and really what we were talking about was a really small shift. I think what you're seeing now, well, let me go back. At the time of the speech, I think we walked off the stage and someone asked me, how long is it going to take for everyone to shift to this community focus? And I said, mm -hmm. 10, 15 years. Um, I think the pandemic and what happened that sped everything up. Every trend that was in place before the pandemic just got sped up. Um, so what you're seeing today, I, def I mean, it's definitely there. Uh, but I think what you're seeing today is based on a small, subtle shifts that people were making uh, even before I spoke in 17, 18, in 19, and, and definitely into 20. Um, it looks like a big shift now as you go back, 
because the paths have gone into uh, different directions, but I think the seeds are all there. Um, I'm pleased that it's happening, but yeah. And, so, and I think I'll say in the spirit of improv, yes, and. Um, so, so, so yes, and I, I think where, where there's been a, a more fundamental shift, because I agree with you, I mean, I would, you know, you're right, David, Jack has been advocating to the industry for a number of years that we needed to make this shift. The reason I think there's been more of a seismic shift is I think we have to acknowledge the U.S. is actually in a lot of ways significantly behind the rest of the world, particularly Europe, around this notion of not only tourism as a, a social benefit, but also the necessity of us being stewards of our communities. So, I mean, Jack, you've been talking about that for yeah. a long time. That's the one thing I, I would point to is um, I, I made this point uh, when the board got together uh, last December. Um, I think those areas in the world, uh, most notably perhaps the United States, that have been very energy rich, energy self-sufficient in the traditional sources of energy, um, it's taken them longer to acknowledge um, the actions that they need to take. It's really, you know, the amount of how long fire seasons are going from three months to 12 months. Um, you all talk about California, but you know, Washington, Oregon, Texas, anywhere through the Southwest um, are in fire. It's the sheer number of, of tornadoes and hurricanes and the, and the intensity of them. Um, but you're actually now have something tangible in front of you that most people like in America and other places of the world um, can now say, oh, wow, this, something has definitely really shifted here. It has shaped here. Um, I think I'm going to join the movement. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you still got to have, I look at Saudi Arabia, who is entering into the tourism arena and realize they need to be a very sustained, do it in a very sustainable, very um, environmentally friendly approach, um, which has the benefit of perhaps freeing up more oil and gas that they can then sell and elsewhere and, and fund these initiatives. Um, but it is, I think anyone who's making a major entree into the tourism arena, especially in the developing world, understands they have to come in at a, at, with a, a sustainability plan and a and a proven track record uh, under their Jack, I, lo I love the fact, by the way, that you use the word movement. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly the right word to use for this. This is not a program. It's not an initiative. This absolutely is a movement. That's the way we have to think about it because this, this has to be a permanent long-term effort. Yeah, uh, it's not, it's not checking the box thing. It, it is, you're literally, this is something that connects you with the people in your community and stuff like that, because they're all, they're pushing you as much as other yeah. factors are pushing you. So, so, so let's, let's, let's go down the uh, path of the movement piece. A year ago, even there's lots of hand wringing to the question, how do we get started? Jack, you talked about engaged communities taking an active role, but you know this as well as I do. And Adam, you know it from the CEO's seat. When it comes to engaging the community, the rest of the world think DMOs are a lot more engaged than they really are. And and, and my my litmus test for that is when the sustainability people came in and started coming into our industry as they well should, and they mm -hmm. they've been servicing the meetings and convention side, which is highly organized for a while, but start dealing with with transient tourism destinations. And the first words out of their mouth were things like, "Well, you just set up a meeting with the mayor, and when he gets the council in the room, and they tell you, and you're kind of like, yeah, that." that you really overestimate our alignment so when it when it comes to that piece jack you've called it social license before 
everyone's at the starting line now. Everyone's clumsily getting started. We did some stakeholder interview stuff in St. Jacobs as a test a few months ago, and it was shocking, like my eyes coming out of my head, the the level of animosity we were able to uncork <laughs> in a small group. You know, so There's so much learning to be done here. But as everyone's at the starting line, they're no longer intellectualizing, should we do this? What are the first steps? How do you establish a social license? Because we really haven't done that before. How do we establish yeah. a social license? Um, and it's not totally easy. I, what I love about that phrase is that it starts with social um, and people have to understand that social license is something that is given by the community to an entity. Um, we have spent a lot of time talking about the community shared value, very similar concept. Um, and we have spent a great deal of time uh, diagramming what a destination organization who is has a community shared value may look like um, the 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 values that it holds and the and uh, this year we're going to be releasing a field guide which really hopes to answer much more definitively how do I do it um, but the thing key to remind is even if you do all those things um, it's still the community that makes you the community shared value you have to be a shared value community which means everyone has to be there. Um, which is a lot of hard work, a lot of engagement, um, a lot of listening, um, a lot of letting them know everything you do and being uh, proactively transparent. Um, give them ownership over you. you know, that's it's a tough thing to do sometimes, but you really have to give ownership up a bit and let them be participants in the process um, and let them shape that direction and go and they'll, they'll follow you uh, down these roads and stuff like that but they just need to know which road we're going and what's at the end of it um so they have that's to all that. that's and all I, that that is all net new though isn't it come on yeah 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 it is um but i've also said i've been saying this for years which is strictly from an advocacy of political strategy it's actually the strategy to go with because if you're going with a strategy that's built around your mayor your councilman your city your county board person your parliament representative um as soon as they're gone the whole strategy crumbles and you start over again um if you have that support in the community then you start with a, a a step ahead elected officials follow as much as they lead um and if the community is with you they'll want to know that um they'll want to participate they'll want to embrace you so on the on the lived experience side of that front and center one of the busiest cities in the world what does that look like? How do you achieve social license? Uh, Adam, talk about it, please. Well, so, so I guess the first thing I'll say is on uh, on behalf of Los Angeles Mayor Karen Chass, <laughs> when he or she has a conversation with you as the mayor, um, I, I, I actually you know want to build off of what Jack said because I, I think I would argue, and by the way, I mean we have the luxury of having this time with you today. But there's a lot of amazing work being done by destinations across mm -hmm. the country. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to be inspired by the creativity, the innovation, the collaboration. So, you know, I'm, I'm just one voice among many who are really leaning in on this. What I would say, building off of what Jack said, is I think whether we knew it or not, the community already had ownership over what we did. You know, mm -hmm. we just weren't acknowledging that role in it because I think Jack hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, I, Elected officials come and go, administrative priorities come and go. The one thing that's the constant is our community. And I think the the real sea change, and I look to the work that, um, you know, Destinations International has done with the DNEXT studies. You know, you look at the last couple Destination Next studies, and there's no question 
the days when a DMO could sit on the sidelines and say, our job is just to promote the destination, you know, that ship sailed. And from a community perspective, I think we're viewed as either a net contributor in a positive way to the issues that impact our communities, or we're viewed as part of the problem. So I think that the reality isn't from a, you know, in terms of social license, long-term, our community already had ownership over what we do, because, you know, if you're facing ballot measures and you need community support, the elected officials are going to respond to what the community says. And if you're ever on a ballot, you better make sure that that's not the first time you've engaged with your community. So wow. you know, in, in, L, in L.A., the shift for us has been kind of an acknowledgement of that. And, and I guess I come at it from the perspective that, you know, pre-pandemic, there had been a lot of discussion and movement around, quote, or over tourism. Well, you know, to me, over tourism is the ultimate manifestation of a destination not partnering with its community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. over the last several years, um, you know, they always seen every little good crisis go to waste. We fundamentally changed our mission. Uh, and, and I'm a huge believer in mission statements because I think they say a lot about the care and intentionality with you with which you articulate your purpose. So I won't even give you our old mission statement. It was very much, you know, if you quote Simon Sinek, it was a what, it wasn't a why. Our mission statement now boils down to one sentence. It's to improve the quality of life for all Angelinos through the economic and community benefits of tourism. So at the end of the day, we're there to be stewards of our community and to improve the life for every Angelino, including those, for example, experiencing homelessness, issues with food security, um, the way we do it is through travel and tourism, but ultimately our goal is to improve the quality of life for Angelinos. That's totally changed the dialogue with elected officials, community leaders, and it's created that social license. So there's a dynamism in, in Los Angeles tourism. Jack, you work all over the U.S. and around the world. Who else is doing some really interesting stuff that we can look at and learn from in terms of moving this down the road. Adam, I appreciate you say that everybody's at it. They are, but um, we're all in varying stages and the bulk of the bulk of organizations are really just getting started on this, I believe. Um, I always being, I always hate being asked that question because I don't want to favor one member over another. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, you're absolutely right though. Um, No one's doing it all right. Um, and a lot of people are doing some things right. And then there are some really good examples like Adam here that is really moving into that broader area. Um, and obviously, uh, Paul and his team in Victoria are doing some great work. Um, there's several of, frankly, you can tick off a whole bunch of them. Um, the, the what I do like to highlight sometimes is, is in Houston, where one of the things that um, I think you need uh, to kind of move down this uh, path quickly is to have the support of the mayor and have the mayor understand your importance um, because the brand of Houston is run by um, Visit Houston or whatever, um, but is embraced by everyone in Houston. Um, and part of that means um, the more social aspects of uh, of sustainability uh, being embraced as much as the uh, environmental side of the equation also. Um, and the idea that Houston embraces itself as an energy capital, 
but energy doesn't have to meet oil and gas. It can be something else. So that they move in, moving in that direction, which I find very impressive. But they've put the destination organization in the, the cornerstone of being the messenger of everything. So I love yeah. that. And 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 I think their um, medical center of Texas mm-hmm. sort of approach mm-hmm. is is really humane too, and comes from, from comes from that same place for sure, for sure. And David, some, some, someone who I would point to is uh, you know. Uh, we had the opportunity to hear her speak at Diaz Annual last year. Mm-hmm. Is um, Senior Jungestad, oh, yeah. who was one of the who was one of the co-authors of a I think a must-read for all of us, which was the end of tourism as we know it. And of course, now I'm thinking of REM lyrics, but you know, <laughs> but but you know, I, it's something that really struck me, and and I think she did a, a brilliant job of articulating the difference in terms of where we're at and the genesis of this. And, you know, it's hard to visualize this if you haven't seen it, but imagine a a visual that on the left, 90% of the screen shows issues of climate change, workforce development, food security, homelessness, et cetera. And on the right 10% of the screen was a box that said DMO, destination marketing organization or destination management organization. And she said point blank, she said, in the U.S., most of us are still arguing over what should we should be called yes. when we need to be in the game on the left 90% of that screen. So I think, you know, her, her point was the most important thing, regardless of what you call it, is you've got to roll up your sleeves and start to dig into the work. And I think one of the points that came out of DI's annual convention last year was this idea that, you know, what's good for residents is always good for visitors, but the reverse does not always hold true. So, you know, one of the things we talked about at Impact was, you know, kind of the, the, the Hippocratical first do no harm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the lens that we're talking about here. So I think one of the ways that you, to Jack's point, you know, you really do get that engagement with elected officials is you look at every decision through the lens of it's great to bring more visitors here, but what impact is that going to have on the community? And if there are going to be negative impacts, then we need to be the ones who are the standard bearers for it has to be a net positive for the community. That's a, such a powerful point. I mean, the, the key element of community shared value is not this checklist that you're gonna check off. It's literally a way of looking at every aspect of things that you do. And that's, that's so, so important. I, you guys are great. You always just lead right to the next point. So the next point's KPIs. If, <laughs> if, we, if we, the most important KPIs that we can employ as tourism organizations, especially when we listen to the two of you, are ones that confer this whole idea of a social license widely. Those KPIs do and don't exist. We're, we're very used to um, performance metrics in a sense, but as we, as we look, we need the next set of KPIs that measure the ongoing strength and diversity of, of a destination, of its network. Um, the one that that I just barely seeing emerge already is the alignment with the strategic vision of tourism and the execution of it, its own performance metric. Did we did we get a widely conferred social license for this, and how did we do against what we said we were going to do? They're happening, but they're no they're they're not necessarily happening all around the world. And then I see something totally bold. I mean, you talk about Signe Jungerstedt. I know why because she's your muse on the fact that when you showed up in Victoria, you took. The 17 um, UNWTO Sustainable Development Guidelines, and you map them over into LA. Talk to us a little bit about that, because that was a fascinating moment for me when you 
you, you, you've already explained, ex I'll throw the graphic in the, in the blog version of this for anyone who wants to read it. It's really good. It's from your slide deck, but talk to us a little bit about your presentation um, at impact because it broadened the scope of the DMOs purview mandate and intention by more than I've ever seen. Well, and, and I will say, I mean, you know, I will liberally steal good ideas from anyone and everyone. So it's something that we've been doing really behind the scenes, but um, you know, it was actually the event organizers who, when we were talking about the presentations, you know, I had alluded to the fact that we were starting to map to the SDGs. And, you know, she said, well, you know, I actually think it'd be powerful if you put that in the presentation. So what it really did is accelerated the pace at which we did that work. Um, you know, the, the reason I think the SDGs are so powerful is because I think we sometimes have a tendency to reinvent the wheel. You know, there's been so much discussion about what the right framework for tourism is around this work. At the end of the day, the SDGs really give us that framework because you know, if you if you take a close look, it's not just about climate action. You do have everything in there from gender equality to clean water to um, looking at things like uh, food security. Life so on land, responsible life, consumption exactly. production, reduced inequalities. Yeah, I mean, even even the idea, you know, to the, the social license, the idea of the right partnerships for this social contract are built into the SDGs. So I think that the way that you really get a movement is to give a common lexicon to everybody. And, you know, and Jack, you're talking to the king of lexicon. Um, <laughs> I, I think the SDGs are the right lexicon for us to be embracing as an industry because it's a globally understood set of standards. It gives us a common language that we can use where tourism is not sitting on the outside trying to create a different model. But I, I think what would be really powerful for us as an industry is for us to identify what are the five or six areas of the SDGs where we either have the greatest opportunity for positive impact or arguably where right now we're perhaps perceived as having the biggest negative impact. I mean, you look at the carbon footprint, for example, of our industry. It, I think the SDGs just give us a direct way of mapping to it. And so right now what LA is doing, we're on the front end of going through uh, the assessment on sustainable tourism development goals. So one of the things we're doing in LA is we're actually partnering with GSTC to look at the their dimensions of what does sustainable tourism look like? Because I think that the goal for us is, you know, we're not trying to get an A on the report card. You know, part of the reason we're teaming with them is because I want a gap analysis. I want to know for our community, not just for LA tourism, but for our broader tourism community and for our community at large, where are the gaps right now? And, and I think the advantage of partnering with a reputable third party like that is they're going to come in and they're going to tell you, honestly, here are the areas where you're doing well. Here are the areas where for, there's room for improvement. And here are the areas that you're not even thinking about. So I think GSTC is, is going to be a great partner for that because I, I think the first step is to be clear eyed about where you have strengths, where you have weaknesses and where you're not even in the conversation. So I'm, I'm really excited about the work, even though I think it will yield areas in which we're not doing enough right now. Yeah, um, I really appreciate the fact that a, these are international standards and fairly broadly accepted. So I think that, that, that's a great starting point. They're definitely a, a roadmap. The other thing uh, that Adam said that I just want to underscore is um, 
you're not this is not something where you're competing against someone else either it's not something where you're getting an a and they got a b and you're like i'm the better one it's like there's this goal you've got everyone has to get to because if we don't all work on getting to that goal it doesn't matter how good la does um and it's all striving you know how much how much closer i am i to this goal and i think that's i think that's the way measurements have to be going forward and whether it's this or whether it's edi or anything else like that it's that's the way you, you got a goal for you set for yourself and you measure down i think so, i'm sorry speak to speak to me about the practicality of that though because when we start to measure those things we've got to recognize there's literally nothing on the shelf you pull off and say let's run one of these it's it's very different as you start to measure this value-based stuff yeah I think, yeah I think I, there is some stuff go on yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, first of all, I think, uh, you know, DI has done a tremendous job of, you know, kind of proactively recognizing where these opportunities are and providing the lexicon and providing the tools. I mean, I look at something like EDI, right? Um, there, There's so much work being done, but there was not really a, a way to easily collaborate and share information on that. Mm -hmm. So the EDI assessment tool that DI created Again, it's not designed, and I love the way you described it, Jack. It's not designed for people to say, hey, we're doing better than another destination. The whole point is it's designed to do two things. One is to allow benchmarking and the ability for us mm -hmm. to continually collaborate, share ideas, best practices. But it's also the idea that there is no finish line, right? right? I mean, I think that's the key is traditional metrics tend to be very time bound. And I think to engage in this work, it requires a mind shift. And I think Jack's done a tremendous job of articulating this. There's not an end goal. This is a movement. So it's how are we evaluating whether we're meaningfully moving the needle on an ongoing basis? And one of the biggest I, ones I, I think, think I think there are targets along the way, but you're right. Yes, there is no end goal. There are miles targets are no, I, I think you guys have hit on a really important wrinkle here, which is this. These aren't the, the one of the biggest distinctions you just made in my head over this is these aren't goals that you go because you think about KPIs, you think about showing them to other people. And that's yeah. the way we've done that in this industry. You're actually talking Are, about KPIs. You're always ranking yourself against someone else. Yeah. But these are the KPIs that you hold up the mirror to yourself. And these are the ones exactly. that you really, really dig in on. How are we doing? I mean, I had a thought when you were talking earlier about, you know, organizations that are doing a great job according to their citizens and organizations that aren't imagine if you had a net promoter score for is my tourism organization any good and imagine i mean we but we all know that short of a nine on a net promoter score they're pretty much neutral or negative right so i think most of us it would be really hard to get a, a, an nps nine but it's a really simple metric that speaks to the fact that we are talking about a kind of future where the tourism organization would have that kind of impact i still but, yeah but Go ahead, I still think there has to be some sort of KPI that you release to your citizens. Um, mm -hmm. And I think um, whether it's the, you know, the old ones of occupancy and ADR, whether it's what's happening with these 17 standards and where you're on that, where are you on the EDI scale like that? Um, each one's going to be a little bit different, but what we need, I've always said, is to develop a measurement. Um, and we've spent a year trying to crack it. We haven't cracked it yet, but we've... Um, uh, a measurement that not only explains what it is you do, um, but how well do you do it, and is it benefiting the community? And that last one is just as important as anything else. And it's going to have to be some mix of something that measures community vitality or measurements like quality of life or quality of place 
um, of sustainability or stewardship. It's a collection of stuff that you kind of hone into a score. And it's and it's has to be individualized because it's going to have to be focused to each destination and what's important to them um, and stuff like that. But I think there has to be a community index of some sort. Um, but I think we're in the area now where we're actually seeing what it is that should be measured and, and reported out. This is and why I just, love talking to you guys about this. Stuff, <laughs> you, did, you just gave me like six different things. That I same, to same. So, 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 you know, in no particular order, um, the first thing is, we got the idea of an NPS. You know, we always think of net promoter score from a mm-hmm. consumer perspective. You know, you look at consumer sentiment and, you know, what's the net promoter score for our destination? It's really a community net promoter score. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we're, we're actually this year, we launched our first ever resident sentiment survey. And my goal is to get to a net promoter score because I think what you need to know is how do Angelinos view what we do? And that that is a, you know, something you can use and and Again, when I say I agree with you, Jack, there have to be milestones along the way. But, you know, you could get to a nine or a 10, but that's still going to be transitory because there are going to be new issues that are going to come at us. There are going to be new challenges. So it's the idea of not just getting there, but staying there. And and what I would say is um, I love the way you described it, Jack. You need the milestones because what you need to know is that you're making relevant, significant goals every single year. And I'll go back to EDI. So, you know, the work will never be done, right? When we're addressing issues of systemic institutionalized racism in, in the United States, that's going to outlive all three of us. But we need to make sure that the enormity of the challenge doesn't mean that we're not leaning in on every single year. So, you know, for, for LA Tourism, we have kind of 10 focus areas where you can't boil the ocean. So last year, we had three specific goals around EDI. And I think this goes to what you're talking about, Jack, in terms of milestones. So one of them is something as simple as board demographics. You know, mm-hmm. are our boards mm-hmm. of directors a true reflection of our community? So That's our goal was to increase representation among women in diverse communities by 30% in 2022. I think you have to get down to the, that, lay, that level of specificity because they have to be significant, relevant, and measurable goals. And, and that that type of thing is what actually chips away at the problem and starts some momentum and then the bigger things happen after that so that is absolutely brilliant yeah that's so important so i i will echo adam birch sentiment i love talking with you guys you get my brain going another just a little observation when you were talking i was thinking about the research pieces we've been doing in communities lately and the resident sentiment is always i i i it's the wrong nomenclature it has to be my community is uh my community isn't uh, but if it's i i i there is no community and, and there's so really it's subtle, but the wording makes such a huge difference there. What is, you know, if, if I'm in LA, my community is what it's painful and it's whatever, you know, and if you say I, then it's very easy to divorce community and, and, and tourism from yourself. It's very interesting. All right. We're, we're running long on time. We could talk forever. Um, <laughs> we're going to get, I'm going to give you the final thoughts. Um, thank you for sharing with us as this journey, as we move to become more, relevant more holistic more contributory um, and resilient and, and and regenerative it's been years to to put these pillars in place and now we're seeing that they're actually supporting a movement and stuff i'm really encouraged by that so last thoughts on this it's 2023 it's like we're in a new stadium and a new race and there's a whole new track to be figured out but but i'm excited over to you uh, i'll throw it to you first adam and then you jack 
Um, so, so I guess three thoughts. Um, the first one is we can't be daunted by the enormity of the challenge ahead of us because, and granted, Pollyanna is my middle name. <laughs> but that said, um, you know, on the one hand, you hear a lot of people who basically say, you know, the time to have meaningful action is past. We needed to act earlier than we did around issues like climate change. But by the same token, you have to look at the lens of that's what we know today. Mm -hmm. They also say that the sum total of human knowledge doubles every five years now. And, you know, you look at something like cold fusion. That was theoretical until about 90 days ago. So what I'm incredibly encouraged by is the the, the glide path to this, there can be complete game changers. I mean, when you look at something like the CEO of Patagonia, people who are with one, you know, one move can say, I'm going to put that in a trust to make sure that for the rest of Patagonia's existence, it's going to support climate action. People can make a profound difference. So the, I guess the thing that leads me to is two quotes. One is, and you know, you've heard me say this before, David, it's the, the Margaret Mead quote about never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Small things add up to movements. Small things change the world. So I think if we collaboratively lean on this, and I guess the last thing I'd say is, I don't think we should for a minute underestimate how powerful what our industry represents and what it does. Because I think we'd all acknowledge we are living in probably the most polarized society we have seen in our lifetimes. And yet, when you look at the Mark Twain quote about, you know, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, I don't think that's a cliche or a catchphrase. You know, you can't solve this stuff without being in dialogue. And what we do is incredibly powerful because what's more powerful than bringing people together across political divides, across different socioeconomic strata, across different cultures and traditions? So I would argue the role that tourism plays in our global society is massively related to social license. Yeah, I'd echo everything you said, Adam. Um, I doubt it. I mean, after 9-11, after, you know, the Great Recession, after um, uh, this epidemic and everything that went with it, um, we've always come back bigger. We've never been as big as we are now. We are the General Motors. We are the um, whatever the biggest corporation, we are the Facebook, whatever. We have more impact in terms of long-term change than any of those folks. Um, and we need to realize that um, and we need to like embrace it and and use it and get other people to come along with us on that. Um, and then the other side of the coin is, even though we're like really big, never underestimate those small changes that you can make is literally the one thing we've learned in this past year looking on the issues of crime and safety and how a destination organization can be involved in that area is that it doesn't have to solve the problem if it can just chip away at a couple little things here that it actually has control or has impact on uh, then it creates this movement forward and motion just feeds motion and then big things will finally happen so my advice to destination organizations is don't be like you said don't be awed by the bigness of it and don't be afraid to do something small that's fantastic guys um i will sum up what you were saying adam the way it feels to me is tourism done well authentically shares people and places and it shares them with the people coming in it shares them around the world and that's the opposite of war so i'm, I'm so encouraged by what we see here we need more tourism done well it's been a pleasure to host you both um thank you very much